Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. Excuse me. I thank you for your prayers, and I continue to solicit your prayers. Uh, My wife is home, not feeling well today, so we asked for prayer for her. Um, My daughter, Autumn, got on a flight for Germany this morning. And so we asked for prayers for her, for her travel and her... uh, reuniting uh, with her husband and they're so excited and uh, we are happy for them and for this new season in their lives and so uh, thank you for your prayers it's uh, good to be here again Uh, glad to have my son Caleb with me this morning Um, it's always an honor to have an opportunity to uh, share the word of God and uh, I thank pastor for his heart and thinking of me and allowing me to do that um You get a two-parter this time. Um, I will be sharing a portion of it this morning, and and then I will be back next Sunday to share the remainder, if the Lord allows. And um, and so I'm I'm thrilled about that and excited about that opportunity. So if we don't make it as far in the passage as you think, we'll pick up from where we leave off, and we'll be back to to finish it next week. Uh, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Luke, the 10th chapter. I'm reading from the King James Version, if yours reads a little differently. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. If anyone needs a Bible, the ushers have Bibles for you. Just raise your hand and they will get one for you. I see a hand in the back over there. And so we don't want to, there we go, we don't want to miss folks. Because we always invite you to look on the Word of God with us as well. Um, As we get ready to read this, uh, the Lord just laid something on my heart. I've done this before, but it just is it's a good reminder for me to all get on one accord with our hearts turned towards the Lord this morning. So I'm going to ask you to participate in something. Uh, I'm going to count to three, and once I say three, I would like everyone in the congregation to say your own name. You can say your first name, last name. You can say all three names. You can say your nickname. Whatever works for you, but I want you to say your name on the count of three. Everybody ready? All right. One, two, three. Thank you. All right. Let's try it again. This time, I want you to say Jesus. That wonderful, beautiful, powerful name. On the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus. Oh, my you hear how much clearer that is? When we're all on one accord, when we're all on one heart, when we're all looking and seeking Him, so different than when we're seeking ourselves, when we're caught up in our own stuff and in our own world. I thank Him for that. It ties into what we're going to talk a little bit about today. 
Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25, it reads, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and, uh, oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then, Jesus, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you for opening your word, and opening our hearts. We pray that the seed of your word will find good ground, and Lord, we're trusting you for the increase. Lord, we want to decrease, that you may increase in, in each of us, that we would hear you above everything else, above the noise, above the challenges, above the stress of the weak, above the problems within families and households. Lord, we simply want to hear you. Lord, your word your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question is, who is my neighbor? And so I ask, won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting that... Uh, It's interesting that the question was posed and, and there was this attempt to try to justify himself and, and, you know, cause Jesus to be very specific as to who he was indicating. Uh, I think what Jesus wanted him to know is that wherever you can show love and wherever you can show compassion, you ought to. So let's look at what unfolds here. It says that a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. Uh, this, this lawyer was probably amongst the uh, Sanhedrin, amongst the, the leadership, um, and he was testing and, and trying Jesus. Uh, at this point, you have to recognize Jesus has caused quite a stir 
amongst the people. There's quite a buzz going on about him. And at every opportunity, if someone could try to uh, bring him down or, or make his motives questionable, they attempted to do that. Maybe some of you have experienced that yourselves, that you've been in situations where there are those who try to bring you down a notch, try to make what you're doing suspect or questionable. Um, just wanting to challenge you, challenge your faith, challenge your, your walk with the Lord. Maybe you have folks that just don't believe that you believe what you claim you believe. And they're constantly pressing and constantly uh, trying to, to push you. Jesus experienced the same thing all the time. And here's one of those situations. And being challenged, he was asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I question if he really wanted to inherit eternal life as much as he wanted to see what Jesus had to say about how that takes place. Jesus does something very interesting here. He says, what's written in the law? How do you read it? I love that because there was nothing wrong with the law. Okay? There was nothing wrong with the law. Romans chapter 7 says that the law is holy and that the commandments are holy, just, and good. There's nothing wrong with the law. Matter of fact, Galatians 3.24 says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. We wouldn't know sin if we didn't understand what the law was telling us. We wouldn't understand uh, what it means to, to uh, lust if we didn't understand the law that says thou shalt not covet. So there is nothing wrong with the law, folks. Let me be very clear about that. There's nothing wrong with the law. The only issue with the law is that we can't keep the law. The only issue with the law is that we, in and of ourselves, based on our best effort, cannot fulfill the law. So Jesus asked him, what does the law say about this? And he says, well, and this is a great summation. He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus liked his answer. He goes, you've given a right answer. Matter of fact, Jesus liked his answer so much that Jesus also taught this very same answer. If you turn to Mark chapter 12, he's having a conversation and one of the scribes came having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, what is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, nay this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Listen to what Jesus says. There is none other commandment greater than these. So, what the lawyer summarized from his reading of the law is the exact same interpretation Jesus is sharing about the law, that these are the greatest of the commandments. To, to read a little further in Mark, there's an interesting conversation. The scribe says to him, well, master, thou hast said the truth. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that a few minutes ago when we were reading, 
And, and, and the man gave the answer. Jesus said, you answered well. That's the right answer. When Jesus gave that same answer, the scribe said to him, yep, you did a good job. That's the right answer. But watch what it says here. He goes on to say, and this is the scribe talking, for there is one God, and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than any whole burnt offering and sacrifices. Watch this. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly or with understanding, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. Jesus said, you are so close. Boy, you got it in your head. You got it. It's locked in there. You understand. You summarized it beautifully. So here's all you got to do now. Live it out. That's all. Just go ahead and do it. You've answered right, verse 28. This do and thou shalt live. Go ahead and do it now. Remember the conversation with the, the, the one we refer to as the rich young ruler who came and talked to Jesus and in Matthew chapter 19, and he, he asked, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, again, recalls the law and puts it out there before him, and he says, I've done all those things since I was young. What else do I lack? That's wonderful insight because the rich young ruler realized just knowing the law and even doing what he thought was his best version of it wasn't enough to have eternal life. Jesus gave him the same challenge of you need to fulfill it. You need to actually live it. He told the rich young ruler, he said, okay, you understand that you're supposed to love your neighbor, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all that you have, I want you to sell it, and then I want you to give all of that to the poor, and then come follow me. And the scripture says that the rich young ruler walked away very sad, because he had a lot of stuff. Jesus just simply showed him, you in and of yourself, by your own strength, cannot fulfill the law. It's just too difficult. So he challenged him. He said, well, you do these things and you'll live. And so the man wanting to get that clarity and justify himself says, okay, then exactly who is my neighbor? If I'm supposed to love my neighbor the way I love myself, who is this person that I'm supposed to love that way? And Jesus gives a wonderful story that in summary says, everybody. Everyone that you encounter, you should love this way. Everyone you encounter, you should put in front of, prefer before yourself. Folks, can I tell you the hardest challenge of living this life, walking with Christ, is denying one's self. Ah, oh, that is where the rubber meets the road. That's where the challenge becomes hard is can we deny ourselves? Can we look around us and think to ourselves, I need to be caring for all of these people before I'm worried about me. Now, now understand, with the rich young ruler, Jesus isn't calling everyone to, 
to sell everything you have and, and give it up to other people. That's not the call he's putting on everybody. But as the story goes on, he begins to say, so, but if your brother is in need, you should be able to help him. You should have a heart that's willing to bless him. I'm not saying you have to give up everything, but do you even care enough to do a little something to be a blessing to someone else without looking for a reward, without looking for accolades, without looking for applause, without looking for a thank you? You know, oftentimes we'll do something, but we kind of stand there waiting. Okay, it should be coming. I should hear it now. This wonderful thank you, this great applause, this, this you know, pouring out, uh, you know, lavish praise on me as to how wonderful I am. You should be doing it and moving so fast that you don't even have time to hear this thank you because you're over here blessing this person over here. That's the challenge, is how do we get out of self? Listen, when you came to Jesus, when you came to the cross, when you surrendered your life, you were supposed to have surrendered all of it. Let me, let me repeat that. When you came to the cross and you laid down your life, you were supposed to have laid it all down. Oftentimes we think about those big sins in our life and we go, all right, I'm coming to Jesus. I'm not going to do that anymore. That, that drinking, I am done. I am never going to take another sip because of Jesus and what he's done for my life. Jesus is concerned about the pride that you have as much as he's concerned about the addiction that you have. Listen, Jesus is equally invested in your salvation and your sanctification. He wants to save you, but he also wants to transform you. Into, God wants to transform you into the image and likeness of his son. We've got to be willing to lay it all down. How many of you operated in your own agenda at some point this week? Yeah. I was putting mine up in case you didn't put yours up, so... But I was also dealing with me as well. Isn't it difficult, folks? Ah, there are times where it just wells up in you and you want your way. And you don't want anyone to prevent you from having your way. Can I even love my neighbor as myself? That was an interesting challenge Jesus put back on him. He said, okay, just, you got it. Now just do it. So knowing that that's difficult, and maybe even, I can't speak for him, but I'll speak for me, maybe even knowing that there's some people that would be neighbors that I don't feel so neighborly towards. I just need to know if they're on the list. Okay? Are they on, Jesus, are they on the list of people you're saying that I have to love like myself, in order to receive this gift of eternal life. And I say that because the Jews did not like the Samaritans, hated them, bitter towards them. And so Jesus, in his story, uses a Samaritan to be, if you will, the hero of the story. 
So watch this. Who is my neighbor? So Jesus starts this, this, this uh, parable, and he says that a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves. Now, the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho is this, at this time was this winding, challenging, treacherous road. Okay? In Jerusalem, it started at uh, 2,500 feet above sea level, and by the time you reached Jericho, you were 800 feet below sea level. It was winding, it was difficult, it was challenging, and there were great places on that winding road for those who mean you harm to be able to hide themselves. And so he's traveling down this winding, treacherous road, and sure enough, there were those people waiting to take advantage of him. It says that he fell amongst thieves. And when, they, when he fell amongst the thieves, they took all of his clothes, beat him up, and then left him for dead. Stripped him of all of his stuff. Wounded him. And then left him half dead. Has life done that to any of you? Has life stripped you of joy, of peace? Has life wounded you? Have other people cooperating with the enemy wounded you? Have you, by your own choices and missteps, caused your own self-affliction to occur? Have you ever felt like you were half dead? Or at least didn't have a reason to keep living? Life will do that to you. The enemy wants to do that to you. You'll do it to yourself. You know, it's interesting in this passage, uh, when, when back in verse 27, when it's talking about loving the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your strength, and your mind, and then loving your neighbor as yourself, at no point does it talk about loving yourself. That's kind of assumed that it will take place. And we get that from Genesis. I believe Adam, pre-sin, was pretty selfless. I think all he was concerned about was his fellowship with God and tending to whatever business God had given him to do. I think it's after sin that selfishness appears. Watch what happens. They eat of the fruit. They immediately know that they've done the wrong thing, and so now they're naked. Now they're ashamed where they weren't ashamed before. And the first thing they did was to try to cover up their shame. They sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves up. Have you ever covered up your own shame? Have you ever tried to put on a face so that people only get one impression of you when you know behind the mask there's a whole lot of other stuff going on? Whew. But that self-preservation, that that keeping my dignity, making myself look a certain way is more important to me than being honest and transparent with folks. So they cover themselves up. And then here comes the Lord. They go and hide. The Lord asks, what happened? What's going on? What's the first thing they did? Start passing the blame. 
Look at all the selfishness that is already coming out as a result of that very first sin. Stuff that we still battle with and struggle with today. I want to look a certain way amongst people. I want them to think of me in a certain way. So I want to hide all that other stuff. I'm glad that you raised your hands to say that you were caught up in your own agenda this week because we don't want people to know that. We don't want to admit to our spouse that our words and our actions were selfish. We want to always appear to be right. We want to always look a certain way. We want to deny having done anything wrong. And then we want to blame it on somebody else. Hmm. So here's this man who's been beaten up, left for dead. Verse 31 says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, watch this, he passed by on the other side. Let me add it to the next verse. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Folks, it's not enough to be religious if you don't have a relationship. It doesn't matter what title you hold. It doesn't matter what office you sit in. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is as far as your religion will get you. Is to not genuinely care about other people. That's as far as it can take you. It's about you looking a certain way and appearing a certain way. It's not about caring about other folks. First John chapter 3, verse 14 says this. Watch this. And we know that we have passed from death unto life. We have gotten that eternal life that they're talking about here because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You hear that? How will I know that my life has been saved? How will I know I've been transformed? How will I know I have changed? Because I'll think about someone other than myself. Because I will love the brethren. Because I will care for those around me. Because what matters to you will now matter to me. It'll stop being about my appearance. It'll stop being about my prestige. It'll stop being about my position. And it'll be about my relationship. It will no longer be the the title that I hold and the chair that I sit in. It will be about caring for someone other than yourself. Jesus goes as far as to challenge us to say, you know what? You need to love your enemies. Look, if I don't like my neighbor, how am I going to love my enemy? If I'm I'm already struggling and asking who my neighbor is, how am I going to love my enemy? Let me help you with that. Only by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
You cannot do it on your own strength. And you shouldn't even try. Because like religion, it'll only take you so far. You can be nice for a while. You can make a good attempt at it. You can paste a smile on your face. But in reality, it won't get you all the way to the point of agape, unconditional love. Only the work of God in your heart can do that. Now, a priest came by, saw him, okay? I like that that's added in because it would be so easy to say we didn't see him. <laughs> It'd be so easy to pretend that I, really? Was there a problem over there? I didn't know that. I didn't see, I, I must have been looking the other way. Listen, folks, when you pull up at the stoplight and there's someone out there holding up a sign that says they're hungry, they work for food, don't pretend like you don't see them. You see them. That's not the time to start fishing in your purse. That's not the time to start changing the channel. Listen, maybe you looking at them, smiling at them, rolling your window down and saying, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe just blessing them with have a good day will make such an impact in their lives. Am I telling you to give money to every panhandler that you run into? Eh, that's between you and Jesus. I don't always. Sometimes God prompts my heart to do it, and I do. It's about the heart, folks. Part of the heart is not pretending that you don't see the plight of other people. Sometimes we're just not aware, okay? I get that. But once you become aware, you need to stay aware. I had heard about Malawi, and, you know, from, from the time that we had been here, and I heard about, you know, the poorness in the nation and that sort of thing. Okay, and hearing it from a distance, you're kind of like, wow, that's, that's sad. I'm sorry to hear that. But when I went and I set my feet there on the soil, and I met people who had nothing to give and nothing to share and gave up their bed so that I would have a bed to sleep on. I can't forget that now. I can't act like I don't see that now. I can't pretend to look on the plight of those folks and say, okay, I'm just going to look away and pretend it never happened. It is burned into my consciousness now. And I love the people of Malawi, and I'm constantly in contact with them, and, and I'm sending over money and resources. I'm doing everything that God will allow me to do. When we are able to go again, I have a plan. How many of you, uh, just as a little side thought here, how many of you are familiar with the story of the Florida Highwaymen? Ooh, time for an art lesson then. All right. Florida Highwaymen was a group of African-American artists, 26 of them, late 50s, 60s, 70s, that because of discrimination and other things like that, not able to put their artwork in galleries and places like that, they sold them along the side of the road. Cocoa to Fort Pierce area, uh, selling oil paintings, landscapes of Florida, $25, $30, okay? Rediscovered in the 80s by an art collector, now those very same paintings are worth $15,000, $20,000, $40,000. 26 original artists, all African-American, one female, okay? But they made their, 
they made their own frames, they, they painted, and they sold those paintings on the side of the road. Part of the plan God has put in my heart when I get to go back to Malawi is I want to train some of those pastors and elders how to paint so that they can sell their paintings and support their ministry and their family. There's a 60% unemployment rate in Malawi right now. 60% of the people don't have a job. And more than just giving them a fish, I want to teach them how to fish. And I can only do what I can do. That's one thing God's given me to be able to do. I can draw and paint a little bit. And I want to share that because I can't look away and pretend I don't know. The priest was able to look on this person, see him, and then make a concerted effort to pass by as far away from him as he possibly could. Wow. And yet, had no problem putting on his priestly robes to minister in the temple, probably that very next day. Probably was on his way to do that right then. The Levi comes along. What's the difference between a Levi and a priest? Well, since the, the priests were chosen from the tribe of the Levites, all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. Okay? Uh, to, to bring it into our understanding, um, all preachers of the gospel should be Christians. Should be. But not necessarily all Christians are called to preach the gospel. Okay? So the Levites ministered in the temple. They did other things within the context of service, as many of you do here, but still serving within the temple, serving the Lord. So this was someone who also had a, a foundation of religion and was called upon to serve in the temple and, and handle the sacred furniture and do all these types of things. He comes alongside, sees this man, watch this, came and looked on him, Okay? The priest at least kind of just looked from a distance and kept going. Keep himself all, you know, justified and everything like that. And I know there were laws in place that they weren't supposed to touch someone that was dead, you know, because it would make them unclean. But he didn't even care to figure out if the man was dead or alive. At least the Levi came and looked on him and said, oh, well, he's still breathing, but... And he passed by on the other side as well. Let me ask you a question. Let me challenge you. Are you passing by God appointments because you're focused on your own agenda? Are you missing out on opportunities to minister to people, to bless God, to lift and exalt his name because you're just caught up in your own world? Got your own problems, got your own stuff. Folks, let me just put it out there. We all have our own stuff. Okay? Everybody in here has stuff, has things you're going through. But we're called. I, I just bought a t shirt when I was in Michigan last week that says, Let your faith be bigger than your fear. We're called to walk it out a different way, folks. Yeah, we have stuff, and the world has stuff. And you know what separates us? How we handle our stuff. How we live out our life in the midst of our challenges. You're going to have the same challenges. Sun shines on the just and the unjust. 
You're going to have the same issues that other people have. There's going to be problems within your marriage. There's going to be problems with your children. There's going to be problems with your finances. There's going to be stuff that you're going to be exposed to and experience. Why? Just because you live on this earth. But as believers, we're called to respond to it in a much different way. I was thinking about Paul and Silas in jail. They're bound, chained in prison. And at midnight, what did they decide to do? Sing and praise God. Scripture says they did it loud enough so that everybody around them heard them. Folks, can you keep praising God in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your challenge, in the midst of your prison, and do it as a witness so that others can see the difference going on in your life as opposed to what's going on in their life. They sang and praised, and the story goes in Acts 16 that the earth shook, and all their chains fell off of them, and the doors swung open to the prison. And here's what I loved about it. They didn't go anywhere. You know why, folks? Because when you're free, you don't have anywhere you need to go. When you're free, you're free indeed. It wasn't a jailbreak, you know. They didn't have to go and run now and start hiding in the bushes. To get, they were, if God could shake the prison enough to break their chains and open the doors, they could walk out of there anytime they wanted to. Folks, listen, God can shake your prison and break your chains, and you can walk anytime you want to. You don't have to panic and run and be scared. You're free. Who was going to stop them? The jailer came, it says, and, and he feared that they had left, and so he took out a sword and was about to kill himself. And they said, we're all here. We're all here. Now watch this. The jailer, having seen the power of God and witnessed it, said to them, what must I do to be saved? And they told him to believe on Jesus Christ. And you and your household would be saved. Folks, we can't live life pretending we don't see what's going on with others. And we can't go through life fussing and complaining and whining as much as the world does. At some point, we got to decide, you know what? My God is bigger. My God is greater. My God can get me through this, around this, over this. He can move it out of the way if he chooses to, but he is worthy to be praised. And even if he doesn't do it, oh my goodness, the, 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 the three Hebrew boys, they're my boys there. They said, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to praise any other God because he's worthy to be praised. Folks, at what point do you start to believe that report? At what point do you finally say, you know what, I don't care what the enemy is throwing at me. God has outfitted me with his armor to stand against the wiles of the devil, to block the fiery darts of the enemy. I need to start believing it and walking it so that others can see it so that they might come.
and surrender their lives to Jesus. I need to demonstrate that I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind. And listen, I need to demonstrate that I love my neighbors. And I care about them as much as I care about my well-being. Let's put a pen right there. We've talked about what was necessary, what Jesus is asking of them. Next week, let's look at what that looks like a little closer. Let's look at what the Samaritan actually does that demonstrates loving your neighbor. Let's look at how do I walk this out now? Listen, it begins today with you even having a heart to want to do it. And when God sees that heart, he will show you the way to do it. If you want to do it, he'll show you the way to do it. If you want peace within your home and within your marriage and within your parenting, if you desire it and you're asking God for it, God will show you through his power how it, should, how it can come to pass. And to deal with that selfishness thing again, it's not by making everybody in the house agree with you. It's not by making everyone cooperate with what you say. It's about trusting the Lord with all of it. Believing his sovereignty over the whole matter and over the whole situation. Trusting that he's good and that he cares. And that he loves you. Regardless of how others are treating you, walk away with the fact that Jesus loves you and what he did on the cross, he did for you because you matter to him. I need to say this because the Holy Spirit is prompting me. Even if it doesn't seem like you matter to anyone else, and I don't know who I'm talking to, you mattered enough to Jesus that he died on the cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins and your life changed and transformed. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's close in prayer. Father, the challenge you put forth to the lawyer was to just go and do it. He knew it, just go and do it. But what we know and what he recognizes is that we don't know how to do it and we can't do it apart from you. So, Lord, as we walk out this week, walk with us. Hold our hand, hold our heart. Lord, I pray that as we go forth this week, no matter what the challenge is, Lord, let us die to self. Let us kill off selfishness. And then, Lord, let us just rest in you. Let us just trust you. Let us not pretend we don't see others. Or look on them and not care. Lord, help us not get caught up in religion this week, but help us walk in relationship with you and then with everyone that crosses our path this week. Lord, let your joy spring forth from us 
in every situation, in every conversation, places where we were going to get frustrated and we were going to get impatient. Lord, let your grace flow so that we can show others the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior, and our friend. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Thank you for coming and spending a little time with us this morning. We pray that the Lord spoke to your heart and encouraged you today. And we just ask you to just take that with you and just ask him to live it out through you. You can't do it. Let him do it for you. All right? God bless you. Thank you again. And we will, Lord willing, see you next week.